0: Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends Podcast, proudly presented by WorldPodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. Welcome to the Food Family and Friends podcast, you're with Vanessa, and today's interview is so exciting. Um, I feel really blessed to be talking to Damon Gamo from the Eastern States of Australia. He is well known for directing and acting in the film which is known as That Sugar Film, and he is a very vocal uh, supporter of real food eating properly, reducing the amount of sugar in our diets and there has been a lot of publicity about the film. There are now books and a website and school programs as well for teaching kids and educating people about refined sugars and processed foods. But let's jump straight into this interview because this chat is amazing. It's one of the longer interviews that I've done but well worth the time and what an amazing guy Damon was to actually spend so much time on the phone with me and I think you'll find this chat amazing, impressive, informative and hopefully really really inspiring.
1: will take
0: Game and Gamow, I am beyond excited to be talking to you. Um, I feel like it's a bit of a coup, actually, to actually finally be able to have a chat to you on the phone. You're a, you're a pretty hard man to track down.
1: Well, here's hoping I don't let you down and burst your bubble and be very um, boring and dull and give no information about food.
0: I think it's I'll think i try my best. Awesome, <laughs> and I think it's highly unlikely. But you know yeah. what? What is absolutely amazing is that I went out to my listeners and asked them if anyone had questions, and I got lots of questions to ask you, many of which I'd already thought to ask you. But, of course, I did what you know, a good um, interviewer should do and also did a bit of background research. And I am so glad I did because you are actually a very, very interesting person. And I have changed the entire way I'm going to interview you.
1: <laughs> wow there it is well I, that's what happens with google now it's the modern world is that you've got no secrets everyone can do their background uh homework on you and there's no stone left unturned
0: isn't that just such the truth i mean if you wanted yeah. to keep anything private good luck to you <laughs> hey, Yeah, <sure. laughs> all
1: right i'm intrigued now right where are we going okay with this one?
0: <laughs> so you're living in melbourne my favorite city in the world by the way
1: <laughs> well, see, Google hasn't caught up there. We have actually moved. We're, we're a bit further north now in Australia. But, yes, we were in Melbourne for 60 years and uh, it is a sensational city and we still um, go back there a fair bit. But we've kind of got out of the city at the moment. We've moved up to some sort of more greener pastures away from the big smoke and uh, we are enjoying it. Oh, cool. Where are you? Uh, Up near, um, in the northern rivers, so up near sort of uh, Byron Bay, which is about 20 minutes south of Gold Coast, 40 minutes south of Gold Coast. And um, there's a beautiful sort of hinterland area here, lovely local communities and farmers markets and lots of foodies up here. So um, we're really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, totally. Actually, I know it well because my sister-in-law owned uh, what was called the church in a little okay. place in the hinterlands near Byron Bay but I can't think of the funny uh, little town's name and it's got a really funky restaurant and it's near uh, Olivia Newton-John's yeah. place
1: Uh, I think that would be uh, who knows there are a couple of very funky restaurants around these days anyway there
0: are anyway so well done to you yeah I know the area it's fantastic so okay Google has not caught up with you so there you go that's a clue isn't it (laughs) a relief yep such a relief but hey you are obviously an amazing actor and the more I looked into what uh, movies you have been in, the more amazed I became so I'm a huge underbelly fan so Now I recognize you from that. And my sons are huge um, When I Met Your Mother um, fans, so then they needed to Google you from that. And, you know, you were obviously in The Tracker, which was an amazing movie, especially because it was, you know, set in 2002, which I just think is very cool and an amazing movie, you know, obviously dealing with Aboriginal concerns and racism and and it's brilliant so well done on that Um, yeah but the sugar film so just to uh, this is when I discovered you and obviously when many many people especially probably outside of Australia suddenly discovered Damon Gamow and I think you know initially most of us just like wow this guy is a complete foodie who is out there fighting the sugar war (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, no. On the contrary, I uh, I completely fell into this stuff, and I think um, I think if I'd known anything about food or nutrition, there's no way I would have done that experiment or even made the film. I think my naivety allowed me to dive into it head first. So I think you know uh, it, it, I've been sort of accidentally landed in stuff. I think I've I've probably researched more about sugar than most people in the last four years. I've really sort of um, dived into that subject and, and made a lot of fantastic relationships with various scientists around the world who are very excited about having their work shared with the broader public because a lot of these guys have been or ladies have been doing this stuff for 20-25 years but have just got constant opposition for the food industry have really been up against the, the, the tactics of the sugar companies and how insidious they are and how they change their science and whatnot so for them there's this huge sense of relief that finally this stuff is getting the mainstream airtime that it deserves and you know even when we were making the film a lot of them said look you know this might be a great film but just know that no one will see it probably for five or ten years. I don't, they didn't think that the message was ready to come out. So the fact that it's all escalated and, and really, um, you know, most people are aware of sugar these days, um, it's a great win. And look, it's not just us. There's been a host of other uh, films and, and research papers and, and journalistic articles that have uh, that have got this message out there. So we're not going to take complete credit for that. But I think what we did allow was to, I guess, um, package the message up in a more entertaining and, and um, you know, Know, palatable way for, to use a pun, and it just allowed you know families to to sit down and watch it. Children really in, engage with the film, so I think that's probably a, a demographic or an audience that might not have got this message uh, as quickly. So we feel very proud to have been involved in this what is now a global movement around sugar awareness.
0: Oh, I think it's absolutely amazing, Damon, and that's actually how I came to find out about the film myself, was because my son saw it at their school, and then I interviewed uh, for my podcast this amazing Kiwi family who live on Waiheke Island, I don't know if you know it, but it's just off Auckland, and they are three generations, so granddad, mum, and daughter, and daughter was struggling with um, quite a few things, typical 13-year-old girl, and she had seen your film at her school, and she decided, she loved cooking, she was going to make a complete shift and cook the way that you had highlighted um, throughout the film was important for health. And she, in the interview, said to me, you know, Vanessa, have you seen the film? Because that is what has inspired me on my own journey at 13. And I said, oh, gosh, okay, well, my kids have seen it and you've seen it, so we'd better get it. And we all sat down as a family and I've watched it twice. Um, yeah. And both, uh, well, both my kids have ended up watching it twice because they watched it at school. We made them watch it with us again. Uh, and it's just, it's brilliant because you're right, the kids will watch it and they uh, are willing to talk about it after. Afterwards, and see, Mum, we shouldn't have fruit yogurt in the house. And I I think it's brilliant because it just sparks a conversation. Um, Even if it just does that to start with, at least it brings a conversation to the table around what everyone is eating.
1: Well yeah look that was always our intention and, and, and it's interesting that we we had a lot of debates and discussions uh, towards the end of the edit because one of the first cuts probably had a lot more information in it it kind of went a bit further down the rabbit hole in terms of understanding the effect of refined carbohydrates what healthy fats do and we kind of ultimately thought look you know this is too much information for people let's 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 let this film be the first step for people. If they want to go further and they want to go down the rabbit hole, that's fantastic. But we need to acknowledge that the added sugar is a simple fix for people straight away. And if you can lower those added sugars, especially in those drinks, you are already on a better path to health. So we just kind of made that call to sort of to do that. But it's just been so exciting for us to see how it does become a catalyst for people to go further. If they start with sugar, suddenly they start investigating other diets that are available or Eating habits, or understand their gut bacteria, or understand how you know carbohydrates and refined carbohydrates affect their blood sugars, and whatever it is, and I think that's just a ter- terrific thing because we need to get people more engaged with their food to understand how powerful it is, how it affects our physical symptoms. But now, as we're discovering, how it also affects our mental cognition, our ability to concentrate and focus in class and school, whatever it might be, I think that's just fantastic because we just need people to stop believing these um, advertising messages, <laughs> which they often just blindly follow, and. Are actually empower themselves and wake up to some of these tactics that have been used against them for so many years um, and to sort of you know, teach this message to their kids and, and set them up for the healthiest life possible.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I hear you and I totally agree with you. Uh, you've brought up many things in that conversation uh, with regards to the advertising and, and obviously the companies that are at the heart of packaged food industry. Uh, you know, obviously there's this controversial um, Health Star rating that we have here in New Zealand, which I also believe is in Australia. Um, which, oh, you know, what, what are your views on on that?
1: <laughs> oh, look, uh, we don't really call any punches when it comes to that uh, that particular program. We we often post, um, you know, what a farce it is, and I think it's uh, letting people down really, really badly. When you can. Uh, when you can give something like Nutri-Grain which is two-thirds sugar as a cereal when you can give that four stars and just give a piece of salmon two stars I think we've got a real problem if we're sort of favouring these artificial fake foods over the real food so uh, it's not just that there's so many other uh, examples of that whether it's up and go flavoured milks get four and a half stars but plain milk only gets four four stars again we're really sort of not favouring real food which is really part of this whole movement that's happening around the world now people are going back to eating real foods and keeping it simple so we often tell people, you know, real foods don't need a star rating system. You don't need to worry about that stuff. If you just shop the perimeters of the supermarket and eat predominantly real foods, uh, you're not going to have to worry about that star rating system. But look, it's certainly copping flack here. I know that they are reviewing it within the government at the moment because they're doing surveys on people's um, getting feedback on what people think of it. Is it confusing? Is the messaging Right. Uh, and unfortunately a lot of people out there think it's just um, just for certain categories so if you see cereals they're all just lumped into one category but if you look in the fine print on the actual website you'll see that it also applies to different foods so that it is about comparing you know a Nutri grain to a piece of salmon and I think that's just you know we're, we're really not getting that right and the algorithm again that they do this rating on is, is based on some quite outdated science which really demonises all saturated fats and sort of goes a little lightly on the sugar and I think as we we know now and as the science is telling us that some you know even these saturated fats might be having a neutral effect they're certainly not having the negative effect that we've been told for 35 years so again we need to sort of match and fix those algorithms of the health star rating system to actually match the science because at the moment i think it's just matching the food industry and what they want and how they're going to sell their products but as we're finding all around the world you know science is uh, is, is finding it very hard to get a look in at the moment people are just sort of going with their own ideology and and just um believing what they want to believe and i I think that's um, causing really deleterious effects in a host of industries around the world.
0: Yeah, and and in people's health. And I also think it's almost um, belittling a whole portion i've i've heard people here on talkback radio saying oh well it makes it easy for people and you know a lot mm-hmm. of people don't understand so they can just grab isn't it a better better to have that than nothing at all and i i mm-hmm. am incensed that we assume that a good portion of the population are not bright enough or intelligent enough to make their own choices if we give them the right information i think your film was a very good indication that it doesn't actually require you to constantly talking about you know saturated fats as you said before going yeah. into the nitty gritty which can be confusing and I deal a lot with teenagers here and teaching teenagers yeah. what to eat and how to cook and I keep it super simple because their attention span is short if you can teach them to cook from scratch well this is my philosophy if you can teach people to cook from scratch then they're going to be cooking real food they're not going to be grabbing at a quick snack because they have no idea how to make their own um you know do what's your thoughts actually around having just good basic cooking skills um and and Mm. do you view that as beneficial to ultimately you know creating yourself a healthy diet for your family
1: yeah, I mean, of course, I think it's not just the cooking process isn't just about making sure you're eating the healthy foods. It's the whole process of that, of preparing a meal for someone, of that engagement, of that interaction that we have, that, you know, talking to families, sitting down and sharing a meal um, um, together. It's, it's an offering of love in some way. So I think, yes, getting back to that is a priority. But I think you're right. What you alluded to earlier is that, you know, we have completely overcomplicated this entire food message and sometimes I think that's kind of a deliberate move from the industry, they know for example that if you know they sort of push this calorie message then it actually sort of um, alleviates them of any responsibility if every calorie is equal then it's not their fault if, if we get sort of overweight or sick because we just didn't count our calories properly so again it shoves this responsibility back onto the individual and we know now that that's just not the case that food isn't calories, food is information and they do vastly different things once they enter your system so the best thing we should be telling people is to simplify and just eat the real foods go back to what our grandparents did when we didn't have the levels of nowhere near the levels of disease that we're seeing now when they ate predominantly real food whether it's a bit of protein some vegetables some fruit and then they would have the occasional treat that doesn't mean demonizing it but if you want to have a your own baked good on the weekend or have a little treat every now and again go for it But unfortunately, we've just flipped it around uh, the other way at the moment, and everyone is having predominantly processed foods, Mm -hmm. which are being marketed to them as the healthy option. And they're having real foods. Uh, as you know every now and again so we've kind of just gone full circle and we need to start sort of tipping that back again and uh, I guess that's that's the, the wake up call that I think the film has provided for a lot of people is that and once they get used to that habit and we find that all the time they write to us is that at first it can feel very daunting and overwhelming because you know most people have lived their lives believing this message and they'll have this sort of healthy yogurt and a cereal or a glass of juice because that's what we've been told to have for 35 years mm. but once you start to undo those patterns relearn your habits start to shop Differently, get into this habit of eating real foods. It becomes so simple after a couple of weeks, and then you start feeling the benefits on your moods, your behavior, your energy levels, you know, even your physical appearance might change, your skin or your eyes or your weight, whatever it might be, and suddenly you're in a new groove. And I think that's what we need to encourage people that yes, there might be a sort of slight clunky transition like there is with anything once you're making a change, but once you start to notice the benefits, you never want to look back and you're probably going to put on much prolong your life in much better ways and sort of be a much nicer person to be around for your family
0: (laughs) so that's kind of what happened to you from my understanding isn't it I, i i'm sitting here listening to you but i'm also laughing to myself has your life since you decided to do this film completely changed from where you were at before you did the sugar film
1: uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I had sort of had three years of, in terms of food, I, I had three years of not having too much added sugar just because I learned that lesson when I met my, my now wife. So, in terms of food, nothing's really changed there. I mean, I, I probably would have snuck in the odd can of drink or a soft drink or a something every now and again, but I certainly wouldn't dare do that in public anymore. <laughs> I'm terrified. Of- <laughs> Of someone snooping me with an Instagram shot, but even when we're having dinner, people often come up to our table and and feel quite comfortable. and Say, "Oh, what are you eating?" or just check it out, which is quite (laughs) funny. So, um, but no, it has changed, but in ways that um, you know, are very special to me. Like I, um, you know, there's not a day that goes by that someone doesn't um, come up to me or a child or a mother whose husband has made a difference or lost weight, and so it's it's very different when you're an actor. And every now and again, someone will come up and say, "Oh, I saw you in this, and I loved Mm. it." Um, when someone comes out and said oh look you know you've had a profound impact on our lives or you know that that to me is is everything really and doesn't doesn't matter how the film's gone it's the fact that um it, it has affected people's lives in some way and um that's very very dear to me and and also what we we're doing a lot of work still with our aboriginal foundation we go out onto the lands quite regularly and, and just to see what's happening in that space as well and how we might be able to make a difference is is incredibly rewarding and and the film has gifted me that you know there was there was a chance when you make any film that it bombs and no one sees it and you, you spend all this hard work um for nothing really but the fact that we did sort of, um, strike at the right time, there was a zeitgeist around added sugar and we just happened to ride that wave at the perfect moment. So I, I'm very grateful for that. But it's certainly, um, yeah, it's had a fundamental shift in our lives in a lot of ways and, and created a lot of opportunities and gifts and people we've been able to meet, meet and, um, and even sort of other things we've been able to work on. So yeah, incredibly grateful. And I, you know, I really don't have that much of an interest in acting anymore. It's funny, I still get offered quite a few things and I just, um, I'm really enjoying this. I guess it's the empowerment of making your own thing and and trying to, you know, help things and and make a change in the world, which as we know right now, there there are any number of things that probably need focus. So uh, I feel very passionate about this process and seeing what film can do and how it can impact... Um, the public, but also at a, at, a, at a political level. We've had parliamentary screenings all around the world, um, Jamie Oliver in the UK. You know, just to see that this little film um, can have that kind of power, I think um, is really heartening. So it's sort of inspiring me to keep going and make other things.
0: Oh, well, that's fantastic, Damon. So, yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. You know, sort of where where is your preference for moving forward or not even preference, just where have you found yeah. yourself now? Is it that you're sort of heading down this more foodie type route and and the war on sugar and and maybe other things that come from that on the food side of things and and possibly through film or is it that you just want to kind of like, oh, that was great, but now I just want to go back to being an actor. <laughs> oh, look, I certainly
1: had those moments. I mean, I guess everything happened so quickly and, and it was such a, a rollercoaster, especially the first year that it came out. It was just, you know, it was Dr Oz appearances and morning shows and, you know, letters from the Sugar Association and Lorth you know, there's all sorts of things going on. And I, I did probably probably not handle it as well as I could have and probably burnt myself out a bit because it was all so new and exciting. And I did want to go to every single school and talk to every child and, you know, which was great. But, you know, you can't do that. You can't sort of spread yourself that thin. You know, it does have an impact. So uh, I have had those moments, but I think now we've been smarter about it. We've got a bit of a team. We've got 30 ambassadors uh, around the world that are, you know, doing a lot of the work that I would normally do. We have a a schools program that continues to sort of um, escalate and go out into the communities um, every day. You know, every week we're sort of um, signing on five or six new schools, which is fantastic. We've got a corporate program now that's started. So we go into sort of large Corporations and do a sort of health program with their workers and teach them about workplace productivity and how they can, you know, measure their bloods and sort of get off the sugar, which is going really well. And of course, the Aboriginal Foundation is is taking a lot of work and is, you know, a very important issue in this country. So that's kind of, you know, taking up a lot of time as well. So there's all that stuff going on. And and then I have sort of moved on to to a new film, which is again looking at sort of more positive ways of getting messages across. And there is an element of food in there. It's sort of looking into the future and, and how we might feed people and how we reduce our waste and how we get more efficient in our system so that we can feed everyone, make it more local, which I think is happening all around the world now. There's this incredible sort of local real food revolution going on at the moment. So um really trying to highlight sort of sort of positive things and and again just make things accessible for our kids because they're the ones that are going to have to inherit this world and at the moment i don't think we're doing a a good job in a host of areas so just trying to get people to sort of um inspire lift lift their spirits and and start changing the narrative around some solutions so that we can actually make a a better future instead of focusing on the negative that we are at the moment
0: and your little your little girl she is almost three is that right
1: Yep, she just turned three. Oh, she's
0: just turned three. How gorgeous! Yeah, it's, a, good age. Yeah, it's a great age, actually. So, yeah. you obviously she's just eating real food with you guys, um, and I'm sure that's your role modelling for her. And at three, she'll just be doing what Mum and Dad's doing, which is awesome
1: yep well that's it and that's, yep, that's, yep that's the kind of stand. I think people don't realise that that they just want to mimic you and they'll they'll copy what you do so at the moment you know that's that's kind of all we eat so she shares with us and she does have the occasional treat we don't want to demonise sugar but uh, it's often something that um, you know Zoe will make like a homemade chocolate or something uh, I have seen her at a kids party have a marshmallow and spit it out and I did punch the air uh, without her <laughs> seeing um but I, th- I can already tell and Zoe and I discussed this quite heavily as I reckon she's got a real penchant for sweet things so um that's kind of my, my fate. That's what, that's what I'm cursed with is that she does every now and again say, Daddy, can I have ice cream or can I have chocolate? So it's, it's, she's constantly going to test me as, as she grows up. But, you know, we're just trying to be sort of open about it and certainly don't want to sort of give her some kind of eating disorder or, or, or make sugar to be this poisonous thing. We just need to talk about it really intelligently. She gets it already and, and, you know, because people do stop us in the street, she has this understanding already. She knows that I made this film about sugar and, and she does sort of get what what it's all about. So, um yeah, it's just it's amazing watching her grow up and, and understand and absorbs all of this stuff. So um, I'm sure we'll have some fantastic conversations as she grows older.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think you've got a very realistic viewpoint of of her yeah. as she grows older because that's exactly right. You know, um, yeah. my boys were amazing eaters when they were little, and then they've both gone through their phases, and now as teenage boys, they're pretty good again. You know, they're yeah. pretty they're pretty amazing, and one of them in particular wants to be you know a good sports person, so he's really careful about his diet. But you know it was his birthday the other day and I made him a beautiful birthday cake but I packed it full of dates and bananas and it had a really yummy yep. honey icing and you know he had a great big slice it was fantastic but then this morning I watched him have his you know his oats and his fruit salad and an egg on yeah. toast before he went off to school and I'm like oh I'm blessed I'm blessed that's yeah, great it's but yep. you know Damon I, I also hear you a couple of times in this conversation um, which I'm so relieved to hear you say about demonizing sugar and I think this is one thing that I have a little bit of a pet hate about um with with the language that goes with some of of the kind of born again uh brigade is the problem is this demonizing because i myself you know had anorexia as a young woman and i never ever ever wanted to you know see that happen to other the women I mean I'd I'd love to say I'd never want to see that happen again but obviously it's happening all the time for girls in particular and I think you know what terrifies me is if you ban things so specifically and make such a call on it as a parent if that also can have detrimental effects as they grow up and see others and then they question oh, my mum and dad have said this, so I'd better not, and then, you know, you kind of get into areas of where they become so obsessed that that can be unhealthy.
1: Yeah look I totally agree and, and that's uh, especially when we were putting the school kits together that was a big priority for us and we did actually consult with Eating Disorders Victoria and Butterfly here in Australia and really made sure that our language was very very careful you know it was all about sort of reduction not removal and really making sure that those those sort of those points for the teachers and when they were when they were sort of sharing this information was spot on um, and it's a very delicate one because I think You know, one of my pet peeves is that people often say, oh, you're this anti-sugar crusader now, and it really gets to me because I think, no, we're not, you know, we've never been anti-sugar, and the film isn't even anti-sugar. We sort of say at the end, you know, it's, you know, this is a recommended amount and whatnot. But I think what happens is people jump to extremes so quickly that people just aren't aware of how, how pervasive sugar is in the food supply. And once they see it, once they see the film, they go, right, okay, This isn't about actually saying you can't have it. It's like just be aware of how much you're having. Like, you know, when when you see when it all adds up, whether it's the juice and the muesli bars and the low-fat yogurt, if you're then going to have a bit of chocolate or a treat at the end of the day on top of that, people don't understand that's not just your treat. You've had 25 or 30 teaspoons hidden in your food throughout the day. So suddenly that extra treat, just becomes more sugar on top of that. So until people have that understanding, it's very hard to get this through them. And I find people that often give us grief or are quite um, vitriolic towards me are ones that haven't seen the film and think that we're just sort of on this crusade to sort of demonize it. But really, right from the get-go, it's been about empowering people with information and Mm. and so that you're free to make a choice. And once you know where sugar's hidden, great. If you want to have your apple juice and your low-fat yogurt, fantastic, but maybe don't have the, the chocolate brownie at the end of the day. Or if you want to have that brownie, great, but just don't have all the other things throughout the day as well because that excess amount is what's doing doing the damage. So you're right, I think this is a big, it's a really important point. We talk about this a lot with our ambassadors when they're out there to really make sure that message is very clear. But at the same time, we have to understand that, again, this has been per- perpetuated by the food industry, that there is no requirement in our body for added sugar. So mm-hmm. you know, we can get all the sugar we need from fruits, vegetables, whole grains, whatever it is. We do not need added sugar. It is not a nutrient. It's not a food group. And this is, again, something the Dietetics Association push, something the food industry, sugar is not a food group nope. and never should be it's an occasional thing that we might put on something or you know we look back through history it was a complete delicacy it was the equivalent of a one kilo bag in the entire uh, english kingdom in the 13th century so it, 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 this is something that has not ever been as prevalent as it is now so that's a really important thing for people to understand but mm. I, I, I'm I'm totally with you. I think uh if we start sort of, you know, putting this message out to the kids and having them start to fear it, then yeah, that's not a good thing. But um as you found with your kids, I found when we ever we do the school kids screenings, they get this stuff, you know. The kids have amazing questions at the end of the screening and they all say, Yep, we can have it every now and again. We understand that, we've just gotta be careful and make sure we don't have too much of it. So again, I think our, our role as, as parents is to is to also understand that kids get this, and not to not sort of um, underestimate their intelligence because I think most kids these days are very switched on. In fact, more switched on than their parents sometimes, and especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. As soon as they see the film, as soon as they get that information, they know how to discern it properly, and then they can make intelligent choices.
0: Mm, yeah, look, honestly, I teach kids to cook here, Damon, and I've done things like we've you know cooked a beautiful pasta, and then they've made their own fresh tomato sauce, and then I've shown showing them the canned tomato sauces and, and showing them how much like copy what you did on the film and yeah. I like put the teaspoons in a glass bowl of what would be in the sauce if they bought it and then taught them how to make a proper tomato sauce and then they taste both and then they've just realized that it's only taken them fifteen minutes to make the real one to yeah. go with their pasta. They're so proud. And then they're also like, but but when the poor parents pick them up and they're like, we can't buy those tomato sauces yeah. anymore. <laughs> You're like, you feel like really bad.
1: <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah. I've, yeah. To, trust me, I've copped a lot of grief from that from parents. So we we actually did a school screening one time and we, we had a screening for the kids during the day and a great QA and was like 700 kids and they just loved it. And then we had that night, we also had a, a, a screening for the parents. And I think there was only about sort of 30 parents that had, had signed up. But by the end of the day, there was about 140 kids that turn, uh, parents that turned up because their kids had gone home and said, you've got to see this film. And one of the parents, you know, actually was quite angry and stood up and said, look, you know, every Thursday afternoon on the way home, we stop at McDonald's and today we went to stop there and my child didn't want the McDonald's. Like, <laughs> what did you tell him today? And I thought, oh, look, no, no, that's a bad thing. Like, you know, let's let's celebrate when a child doesn't want to eat that.
0: Oh, that is so funny. I know. But I mean, the parents come around. It's just that, as you said, you know, the switchover period can be difficult difficult, but once you've got your head around it, it's okay. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. Anything new is often scary for people, and uh, it can be a bit a bit confronting. And look, I understand that, too. I mean, it's, God, you'd think, God, we've, we've heard so many things about different foods throughout the years, and it's fair enough that you just think, God, sugar's just this, the next in line in terms of the fad diets. But I think now, hopefully, people can see that there's enough uh, very, very strong research now, and also the research around how, you know, certain industries back in the 60s shifted the blame to sugar to take the, the focus off so we're understanding now that there's been a a huge level of manipulation that's gone on to make sure this information's been suppressed and thankfully it's starting to come out now it's it's really pouring out and i think even this morning i was reading a study from um, university of southern california which was pretty concerning around you know they're finding now that the added consumption of sugar in women that are pregnant or nursing can actually be passed on directly to the child and have a huge impl- uh, influence on the way that the child is developing uh, it's risk assessment for obesity and other factors um, almost double uh, if, the, if, the, if the, um, the mother is having excess added sugar so again we're starting to get to further down the rabbit hole and really understand just the complications that this stuff can do in large amounts.
0: Mm, and I think a very valid point you just made then again in your uh, terminology, uh, which I hope listeners picked up as well, is that the sugar thing is is it's not just another fad diet because you're not actually offering a diet this is not you know the Damon Gammo diet of 2014 to 2016 and I think that's the difference you know you haven't created a diet you're creating a way of life and you're not saying this has to go and you need to eat XYZ and you need to eat it in order and before uh, midday and after 6 and you know all those enough. crazy diets of the past you're not you're not saying that you're just saying it's all about balance this is what needs to be reduced this this is why, and you know, try to eat real food. Go and cook it the way you want to cook it, or eat it raw, or whatever it is that you do with it. That's up to you. I'm not that's telling right. you what to do with it. Um, and I no. think that's the difference.
1: Yeah, look, I think that's the last line in the book. Is like, I, I just, I, my dream is that one day this is just simply called eating. Like that's all we call it. It's mm. eating. It's not a diet. It's just. Once we understand that when we're eating real food as we're supposed to, as nature intended us, we forget that we're part of nature. So when we eat nature's foods, our body knows how to deal with it. It triggers the right hormones. It tells us when we're full. It stores fat when we need to, whatever it might be. As soon as we bring in a man-made, constructed, artificial food into that very delicate system we call our bodies, you start to have the complications. You start to trigger different hormones and you start the complications. But when we keep it simple and eat the real foods, our body knows how to handle
0: them. Mm, Yeah, totally. Hey, just out of interest, Damon, while I've got you on the line, I I read that you moved around a lot as a child, which which I also did, actually, by the way, but I didn't go to as many schools as you've been to. But um, I did move around a lot. Were you moving around Australia as well? Was that...? What happened for you?
1: No, no, it was mainly mainly my one. So we did move a couple of times interstate, but it was mainly uh, in in the town that I grew up in, Adelaide, which is in south South Australia.
0: Oh, okay, but you moved around a lot there. So, in all of that yep. moving, what were meals like in your family? Was it just a typical Australian kind of upbringing <laughs> with meat and three veg, or was it lots of packaged food because that's what Mum needed to do? Um, in yeah. Such- I think it was a combination. I think
1: um, my mum, I was sort of raised this with my mum, so she was always kind of really, really busy, so often wouldn't get home till late. So, you know, dinner was, you know, she would do her best to sort of whack something together or I would make something after school and snack. And I think, especially back then, you know, this was right in, 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 the, in the days of, of fat was just being completely demonised. So sugar Correct. had this free free pass. So. I'd come home and have you know full bottles of sort of yogurt drinks and there's always Tim Tams to snack on and other refined carbs in the fridge and you know this is what we were told was fine to eat this is what the the dietary guidelines were telling us to eat to have six or seven serves of grains a day so um, you know no one can be blamed then they were just listening to the the advice we didn't have the the luxury of social media now of sharing and trying to disseminate these messages like we do now so um, yeah that was kind of my upbringing and as a result you know I think god I had so many health complications um, before you know as I was growing up and and shocking acne and real sort of fluctuating um, weight issues and um, just moods and all sorts of things I had no idea that it was being affected by food of course until I was in my late 20s or early 30s once I started realizing this stuff so you know for me it's just it's just I'm a classic walking example of the, the minute I changed all that and started eating properly my, my life has completely changed and that was a big motivation for making the film was that I just realized that there must be millions of people out there, if not billions, that are suffering similar things and, and don't realize just the impact that, that food is having. And, of course, there are other factors as well, but that food is just such an important role in so many things in terms of how we feel and think and even perceive the world. So uh, I, I actually walked through that and, and then got an even bigger lesson going back and doing a sugar film again and going back exactly. back to It was like, oh, that's right. Why am I doing it? I remember this. So... Uh, I think, you know, it was just good for people to see me go through that. And, you know, we, we debated that a lot as to whether I would do the experiment. Uh, a lot of people thought, you know, oh, it's been done or it's a bit like supersize. I mean, I always sort of said to people, no, the difference is I'm not having Coke and soft drinks. If I was just uh-huh. having... Known sugars. I mean, everyone kind of understands that McDonald's is bad, so you watch that and you go, "Yeah, we we know," but we kind of get that. Whereas, I think everything I ate, you know, most people think is healthy. So, uh, I think that's the difference. And, and like I said earlier, I, I, I never would have done the experiment if I'd known what symptoms I'd develop. I developed. I kind of that's why we did experiment first. We shot it very low budget. My wife and even my mum did some of the filming because I genuinely didn't know that we have a film because I thought, you know, if I only put on one kilo and that's about it, nothing happens then yeah there's no real point continuing on or looking for more money but as soon as I had that sort of fatty liver disease after 18 days and then you know put on five kilos after the first 30 days I thought oh, okay there's something definitely in this and that's when we sort of really started reaching out and applying for more funding and going out to the various celebrities and whatnot and just working out ways to really sort of make this accessible and get it out to the public so um, yeah it was a big steep learning curve for all of us.
0: Yeah good on you Damon I think it's brilliant it's a steep learning curve but it, it ticks a lot of boxes and And I think, you know, I loved the fact that you were eating just regular, what we all consider Mm. is just regular everyday food. I think that made far more of an impact because you did do it that way. And, um, you know, just for kids to go, oh, my God, are you serious? You know, that huge big bowl of cereal is is that? um, I think it's brilliant. So but in in all of that, did you actually do any research about sugar substitutes or have you done since, you know, stevia and all the other replacement, agave and stuff that people... Right, yep. Yeah, because well, I can't get my head around whether these are acceptable sub or yet again, just another heading down the same path
1: well again I think um, we need to understand that some of these things at a molecular level are very similar sugar so things like um, agave for example we know that in, in sort of table sugar the, the problem is the, is the fructose so the ex- excess fructose that we have in table sugar is the thing that really does most of the damage so it's about 50% of sugar is this fructose molecule but then you get something like agave which is actually 90% fructose so in many ways it's almost double as bad as the table sugar yes it does have certain other properties in a same way that honey does too. It might have antioxidants or other um, vitamins in there that, that refined bleached white sugar is not going to have. But if we start having you know regular amounts of honey, then you're still going to get this sort of fat accumulation in your liver. But again, you'd need lots lots of that if you're having the occasional bit of honey in a treat or uh, at a birthday party or in your tea or whatever. There's absolutely no problem with that at all. It's only if the food industry start replacing all their products with honey mm. uh, or, or agave or these kind of things um, that we're going to get the concerns. Coconut sugar is another one. Every now and again, no problem. But it's at a molecular level, it's almost identical to sugar. And then when you have the artificial sweeteners, that's when you sort of get into look. When you get into those sort of the chemical ones, I don't think I think anyone with any kind of sense would would know that you just don't want to put that stuff in your body. Is 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 it a real food? No. Um, The science is sort of leaning towards some of them might be okay, but there's enough scientific papers out there to say that in some people, they do affect your gut microbiome. They do trigger insulin and and, um, your blood sugars. So we just say to people, look, just steer clear of that stuff. And really um, things like stevia are probably seen as the safest one because it's a natural sweetener. But again, we call stevia um, like methadone for sugar addicts. So (laughs) if you want to use it to sort of ease yourself off a high-sugar diet and have the occasional bit of stevia, that's fine but me personally I can't stand the taste it just tastes too artificial to me so we say to people just wean yourself off it and and don't prolong this this need for everything to be sweet just have the occasional sweet thing and thoroughly enjoy it and then just sort of go to not having sweet things um, as regularly because you do find like everyone that um, does this stuff they are shocked at how their palate does adjust and you start not needing things to be sweet anymore you you find that you you know if you ease yourself off your tea or coffee and have less and less sugar and half a teaspoon less as the weeks go on you gee, God, I, I didn't even need this sugar. And if you did just do an experiment and put three teaspoons back in it like you used to, you'll find it overwhelmingly sweet. So um, you just need to trust that process. It does happen for people. Um, I'm, I'm someone now that, you know, I have a bite of a carrot and I can taste the sweetness of it. And, and that is, you know, quite a revelation given that I was having, you know, two cans of vanilla Coke and whatnot um, only 10 years ago. So uh, people just have to trust that and, and know that your, your body will rectify itself and you will actually not. Desire that strong need to sweet anymore once you give it an ease yourself off.
0: Mm, Fantastic! Yeah, look, I I hear you. I I I love your philosophy. I'm so happy to have spoken to you because um, I've put together this amazing package here for teens which is um, kitchen fundamentals or cooking fundamentals with the fun being uh, bold type as well as the right. as well as the mental uh, and it's all about yeah eating for your mental health and for your energy and and it's a very very right. very much down your philosophy of of the balance and information and getting people cooking and realizing they can create through you know a beautiful tomato that's in season, will be sweet. You don't need to sweeten it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, right. and using the things that are seasonal, they will give you the, that amazing flavour hit that you want from whatever it is, as long yep. as you're buying in season and shopping local, all the things you've just said. So as brilliant, brilliant, brilliant talking to you. Um, yes. A total man of my heart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your support and you know, it sounds it's just fantastic what you're doing as well and that's what's been the most inspiring, I guess, in the last couple of years is meeting so many people that are just these foot soldiers that are out there doing it as well and, and everyone is combining powers and, mm. and is actually creating this change very, very quickly and, you know, it's, it's a leaderless movement and I think that's the best thing about the real food movement that's happening all around the world now. There are just so many people taking it up and running with it and everyone is just as, as important as each other and, and this sort of combined effort is making an incredible difference around the world. So yeah. uh, well done to you and all you're doing as well.
0: Oh, well done to you, Damon. I take my hat off. I think you, you're amazing and the fact that, uh, you know, you started as an actor and you've become a foodie activist is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, yeah. before you before you go, can I, I always end um, with my guests with an either or question yep. list? So I'm um, just going to give you about eight or ten of these. You sure. ready? So, yep. berries or stone fruit?
1: Oh, tough. I've got berries.
0: Seafood or red meat? Seafood. Olive oil or avocado oil?
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, these are tough. Uh,
0: olive oil. Vegemite or marmite or neither? Promite. No way! Come on! You're <laughs> Aussie! <laughs>
1: no, i go Vegemite on those two.
0: Yeah, yeah, gotta go Vegemite, come on. Yep. 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 Soft cheese or hard cheese? Oh, jeez, it's so tough.
1: Because you eat cheese. That's not don't fair, you. that's not fair. That's, but you eat
0: cheese, don't you? Yeah, yeah,
1: that's yeah. yeah, yeah. Hard. They're both, they both have a righteous place very high up on my agenda, but I'll go soft.
0: You'll go soft, and of course, very ripe and oozy and gooey, yeah? Correct. Yes, absolutely. Okay, if you were choosing a cuisine, Asia or Europe? <sighs> um, I'm so glad I've got you just speechless briefly. By the way,
1: yeah, this is. Uh, I'm going to go Europe, but it's, my, my wife would go so hardcore Asia there that that's had a big influence here. But I'm going to go. I'm going to stick to Europe. Stick to my roots. Stick
0: to your roots. Okay, spicy or mild? Oh, mild. Oh, okay. Coffee or tea? Neither. Neither. Do you drink herbal tea?
1: Every now and again, I just, I look, as I've proven in the film, I'm just sensitive to substances and I do quite enjoy coffee, but I just can't have it. It just, it gets me adrenals too much. And uh, it's not, yeah. I just, I'm just one of those people that can't have it. You know, I've got friends that have a cup at 10 at night and go straight to sleep and I don't understand those humans at all. No, my parents
0: um, do that, Damon.
1: Yeah, and I yeah, still, I don't, don't, every
0: time I'm with them, because they have to come and visit now, because we're not in the same place. Every time, I, I understood it when it was instant coffee, you know, as you and I were growing yeah. up, or you're a lot younger than me, but but similar similar. me. So as we were growing up, it was instant, right? So they would have a little instant coffee as they went to bed. And as I've got older, I'm like, oh, well, maybe there wasn't a lot of caffeine in that. You know, it was a pretty dodgy (laughs) drink in the first place. But now they come and stay with me and they'll ask me to make them an espresso. I'm Uh, having a chamomile and they're having an espresso and then going to sleep for eight hours.
1: I'll never understand them. It's like people that like coriander. I just don't. They're not from this planet. I don't relate relate to them.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's our first difference then. That's my absolute favourite.
1: <laughs> no, actually Zoe for my birthday last week made me a T-shirt that says um, Say No to Coriander and we actually posted it on our Facebook page and I sort of said, right, who's with me, who's who's against it? We got, never, we've never had a bigger response. I think there's about <laughs> 6,000 comments on there of people so passionate arguing for either Camp. So uh, it really does divide people that little noxious herb.
0: If she is really into her Asian flavours, then she's clearly loving coriander. Correct. Yeah, is. She
1: is firmly yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in the uh, Team Coriander T-shirt camp.
0: Love it. Okay, broccoli or cauliflower?
1: Oh, broccoli. 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 And I don't understand cauliflower. Like, yeah, I don't understand white vegetables. I just don't get what they're here for. But anyway, yes, broccoli.
0: Oh, that is awesome. So you don't do the whole kind of, you know, like cauliflower pizza-based stuff?
1: <laughs> oh Look, we've tried that once. I think we've done the cauliflower rice thing, which is actually quite delicious. It is actually um, so really delicious
0: as a I'll, salad.
1: I will accept that that's what cauliflower's purpose is for, is to maybe replace rice sometimes. But other than that, um, again, this is a chat I often have with my wife. I just don't understand... The, the plain, the whiteness of that vegetable does. <laughs> I think maybe because my, my grandma used to just boil it. Yes. And, and I, as a child I would have it, just this white flavourless boil to <laughs> an inch of its life on the plate looking limp and lifeless. So maybe I, we got off on the wrong foot and I should try and embrace cauliflower but yeah, I find it hard.
0: Oh Damon, that is very funny because I'm actually just in the process of putting a cookbook to bed. I've got a cookbook being published in July and right. in there I have a recipe using cauliflower and that what you have just Said is actually the preface to that recipe, which oh, is, God. I remember that, and it's also the preface to the one on that I've done on Brussels sprouts, which nice. is, you know, they were boiled until they no, were no. limp and disgusting. <laughs> they weren't even green anymore. The water was green, and that was tipped down the sink, and you had oh, to no. suffer your way through that, and when I grew up, it was all anti-salt, so we weren't even allowed to put salt on it, you know? It was like, <laughs>
1: It's kind of you feel sorry for the vegetable there don't you because what hope did it have all its nutrients got poured down the sink in the water and then it was just let no flavor so look let's let's give it a chance let's make a comeback
0: let's make a comeback how about uh cookbooks do you have a favorite cookbook you and Zoe
1: oh we do think the the, the Mr Otterling is is pretty phenomenal Ooh, he's amazing uh, yep. he he can construct food and so I think that's probably up there for us and in terms of, there's just something, you know, when you see a really good artist and you get, it's hard to define what it is in any sort of creative field, but you go, gee, they've, there's just a gift there that they do that other people don't do. And I, I feel like when I look at his recipes and the way he puts food together, it's, um, yeah, there's a, there's a very special gift there.
0: Well, that's amazing because you are one of several guests that has answered that question with exactly the same cookbook and right. the same person. Right. So, yeah. yeah, he's onto something. It, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, hey, thank you so much for your time. I hugely, hugely appreciate it. It's been a brilliant chat, which I think the listeners will absolutely love as well.
1: No problem, Vanessa. Good on you, and uh, I'll see if I'm in in New Zealand again one day soon. We'll uh, we'll catch up. I'll take what's good, uh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, 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 ooh. Food,
0: family and friends podcast. Proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com.